When chaos abounds, our attention is scattered. Boy, we have plenty of it. Ukraine, Title 42, our southern borders erupting. The shocking leak of a document that could overturn Roe versus Wade, causing protests at the homes of the Supreme Court justices. Yeah, Americans are angry. There are protests and protests and more protests. Americans are turning against fellow Americans. The issues are monumental. Parents fighting to reclaim their parental rights. Freedom of speech and religion are being vilified. In fact, some are crying that the Constitution is irrelevant. And of course, there's that pesky little problem of the economy moving closer and closer to the edge of a perilously steep cliff. Do we fear a pandemic? The Russians, the communist Chinese, chaos and fear. Many say that we are at a tipping point. What is it in plain sight that we're missing? Is there a solution? I'm so happy to be joined right here on the hard question by my dear friend, Lieutenant Colonel Tony Schaefer, the president of the London Center for Policy Research, New York Times bestselling author, CIA trained intelligence operation officer with over 35 years of experience of global and national security. And boy, we need your expertise. Welcome to the hard question, Tony. Lankita, it's always great to join you. Thank you for having me. Uh, it's uh, always interesting that we have conversations as the world becomes more and more chaotic. So uh, I, while I always look forward to talking to you, it seems like uh, every time we speak, things have gotten more crazy. So it, uh, it seems to be a pattern. When I'm talking to you about the idea of what are we missing in plain sight, because when I mentioned chaos, you know, I talked about uh, the shocking leak coming from the Supreme Court and you've got the justices that now the House and the Senate have passed a resolution to protect them. I think about the, the person that was the nominee for the Supreme Court who couldn't identify what a woman is. And it was a woman who was on, you know, for that appointment. No one asked her if she was a woman or considered herself a woman. But the question is, we're talking about a woman and her choice. Well, if we can't significantly even identify what a woman is, and, you know, we're weighing what is life and who gets life and when is life, we've created so much confusion and chaos to people that they're just angry. And, and they're ready to fight almost over. Is it manipulated? Is it coerced? Is it strategic? Is there a reason? Yeah, I think um, to summarize it as an issue is the left uh, is, is not uh, willing. The progressive left is not willing to allow the democratic process to work. That is to say that they would sooner uh, obtain control of an institution and then inflict their policy on America. And that's what we're seeing here. Remember, Blakita, this is not about removing a woman's right to choose. Uh, this is about removing uh, this issue from the federal government, which it should never have been there. And, uh, and Judge Alito's draft statement, which I think probably is gonna largely survive, I'm hoping anyway, to be the decision of the court, says basically there is no constitutional right of abortion. Uh, and I don't know if you thought about this or if the left have thought about this. The court could go the other way on this just as easily. They could basically say the 14th Amendment says fetuses 
have a right to exist, therefore we're going to ban abortion. Has, have, have they even thought of this? That this could have gone or could still go the other way if it's a federal issue, if it's left to the court to decide, that interpretation of the 14th Amendment could go either way. Uh, so uh, this is not saying a woman's right is, a, is, is illegal. It's saying this is not a constitutional issue that allows us to look at the Constitution and make a decision. This is a state issue under, title, uh, under uh, the 10th Amendment. It needs to be decided because there is nothing resident within the Constitution or the amendments that says this is a right. So that's what it says. On the other end of this, I'm a big proponent of the Second Amendment. The Second Amendment is a right, and yet the left is constantly trying to diminish and infringe on it. So uh, again, the left will inflict its view of things based on what they want rather than what the people decide or what the Constitution says. Same thing here. All right. Let me take you a little deeper because, you know, in some ways, that's an issue and a, a, a viable and critical issue for consideration. Mm -hmm. But we've thrown in a lot of things in the mix to make people completely mentally confused. You know, do, do parents have a right to be able to know what their children are doing? Can I tell a school that you can't give my kid an aspirin, but they can make a decision whether or not the little child should be a boy or a girl and then take that child to an abortion clinic without telling the parent? And then, by the way, put Tampex in a men's and a boy's bathroom. So yeah. we've confused the issue so much, which is why I'm saying chaos is abounding. The, the fact of the matter is that's one place to fight. If you, <clears throat> it's all right to say it's time to raise arms to take, you know, an issue on the Supreme Court justices, but you've got people that are in a jail in Alexandria that are J6ers that can't even see their own lawyer, go to church and get a haircut. Right. What does that tell you? So it tells me that we, uh, we have the, the American people have lost control of the governance of the United States. I'll, I'll be blunt. Uh, I was going back and forth with an old colleague who contacted me today via Getter. He said, hey, Tony, haven't seen you since Afghanistan. I just retired. I'm joining the fight to save the Republic. Now think about this. He and I are gonna be considered uh, extremists because we're simply trying to defend the constitution as written and the, uh, the traditions and laws that were created to protect the United States, that's it. So we're, we're now by wanting to protect the, the rights of the American people, we're the radicals. And that's, what, that's what's happened. We've had the left successfully gain control of the media, gain control of federal bureaucracies. And therefore, if you're not open to their change and their narrative, you're, you're the radical. It's, it's wrong, but that's what they've done. And we need to stand up to that and say, no, stop Nancy Pelosi, stop, stop Speaker Pelosi, stop Chuck Schumer. Uh, my not being willing to go along with your wackadoodle interpretation of the Constitution does not make me the radical. It makes you an extremist who's really literally under this term they always love to use, Oh, it, under, it undermines democracy. They are truly undermining democracy. Let me, let me ask because, you this, Tony. Sure. Because I hear you talking about Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer. Yeah. 
And in some ways, I would I I, I hear what you say, and I would agree with it to a to an extent. Mm-hmm. But then I think of a you know having been in Washington for a long period of time. And seeing really are the ones, are they the ones who have the voice to affect change, but are they being encouraged by people that say, hey, we're, we're going to get someone to run against you. We've got a lot of money out here. Are they being manipulated, in fact? And of course, now you've got the geriatric society. It's like going to the old age home, going in a wheelchair up there to see the people that are running the country. So where is the power coming from clearly the president has issues right even mcconnell from the right the right has had a lot of issues look at the you know weird statement that you got from lindsey graham about uh former president trump that was on tape i'm saying you got americans fighting americans and at what point do people stop and say wait a minute if you can't get it together somebody has to leave if you who but then who decides who leads if we don't have a constitution so that's a great question and and let me put it right out there uh, the uh, the money that the left has available to it is en- enormous and to that point uh, the schumers of the world the pelosi's of the world are backed up by huge numbers of institutions so center for american progress uh, uh, media matters. These are all heavily and highly funded tools that the left has available. So not only is Schumer and, and Pelosi and others like them funded, they're funded by, I just say it, George Soros, a number of Hollywood elites. Uh, my goodness sake, uh, look at what happened with uh, uh, Epstein, uh, Jeffrey Epstein, uh, huge amounts of money, huge amounts. Uh, that's why he got away with the abuse because he was paying off all these people and basically being able to buy access and maintain access. Same with Harvey Weinstein, same thing. So they are saturated with money. They have so much money, they can they can afford to, to basically buy politicians. And that's what, and our, and, but, but let me finish. Our side doesn't do that. Uh, and I, I have often criticized the donors on our side for not being aggressive. Uh, I'll look, I'll be, uh, the London Center is constantly struggling to fund because no one wants to finance organizations which simply want to go out and speak the objective truth. It is very difficult. And I fault our side for not having created uh, like organizations to fight the other side. We're constantly outnumbered 10 to 1. And that's why you see uh, our side not being able to stand up and say, our defending the Constitution is the right thing to do. It's not radical. And it's, it's a very difficult fight. I think, you know, what I'd like to continue discussing with you is um, really the political chessboard. Because I think we have to look bigger than just our country. Sure. As we are watching what's happening on our southern borders, I was recently on the border with the Texas coalition, the Texas Border Coalition. We're going to talk about that because many of the people coming across are not from Mexico, not from Latin America, from other countries. I'm delighted to be joined by my very good friend, Lieutenant Colonel Tony Schaefer. He is exceptional. He is the president of the London Center for Policy Research. I'm Blanquita Cullum. This is a hard question.
Not everything that's reported on television is true, but it ought to be. NTD, a New York-based global television network, is independent, reliable, and fact-based. We don't decide where the news happens. What we do is cover it. Check out NTD and you'll know. We believe in the strength of our nation and the hope in our shared humanity. NTD broadcasts uplifting and inspiring programs that enrich your life and bring you joy. Turn on NTD, America's television legacy in the making. Find your local channel at ntd.com TV or call 680-201-4999 or call 680-201-4999. Welcome back to The Hard Question. I'm Blanquita Cullum, my wonderful guest, good friend, Lieutenant Colonel Tony Schaefer, the president of the London Center for Policy Research. And Tony, we've been talking about chaos and how it can be an effective tool to make people feel unstable, fearful, going to the grocery store, mothers panicked about getting formula for their babies, people, you know, hoarding toilet paper, the price of gas going up, um, you know, protests in Canada when the truckers are trying to be able to hold uh, the, the leader, Trudeau, accountable. And you're seeing a lot of fighting because people don't seem to feel that the people who represent them, who took an oath and swore that they would remember the people, have forgotten them and that they become like, uh, you know, collateral damage. I think maybe it might be a, a, a good idea as I, we, we talked about the break. Uh, what's happening, first of all, on our own borders? We're, you know, we're worried about Ukraine and Russia, but having been to uh, McAllen, Reynosa, Brownsville, Matamoros, El Paso, Juarez, uh, it's shocking. And I used to live around there. I can't believe it. Your thoughts? So um, uh, I wrote a novel called The Last Line. Uh, it's uh, about the very issue. You're, yeah, you've you've actually we actually anticipated this ten years ago, and we basically saw that you would see the elites, and we kind of go at the elites directly in this book, saying this is what we see coming. This was ten years ago, right? And uh, we got a lot of it right, and I think that's the danger here. Uh, remember, Blanquita, over a hundred thousand people die every year from fentanyl. Hundred over a hundred thousand. Oh yeah, we have more people dying from that than COVID, for goodness' sake. And yet, uh, we're not securing the border. So why are we not securing the border? Well, this relates to why is the Biden administration also, I would argue, destroying the supply chain? Uh, little secret here: there's sufficient resources within the scope of this nation or the people we trade with to have plenty. It's a political and policy choice, Blinkita, to not make it available to the American people by creating regulations, bottlenecks. Uh, I was out in San Francisco recently. I saw for myself all the ships backed up. Oh, yeah. When you slow down. It's, this, is, this is by design. The, order, the border being open is by design. This is the chaos that, that, that is the policy of this administration. So when you look at this, when you look at the results of this, and Biden keeps talking about right, a great economy, yeah, if he uh, opened the spigots of energy, had plenty of energy, didn't continue to work behind the scenes to say, oh, well, I don't understand why the gas prices are so high when he's the one 
uh, denying uh, access to the lines. And look at it real quick on that. Jen Psaki always says, oh, well, we have all this land that's been approved for drilling. That is true. What they don't tell you is that once someone gets that approval, they give you 15,000 pages of paperwork you got to get through to get all these approvals to do anything. So they're lying by not telling the full story. So this is why we're here. And the very thing you mentioned, this is designed to make uh, 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 our friends and families nuts by the fear of not having formula for babies, worrying about their, their child in school, getting exposed to fentanyl and dying. These are all by design. And I don't, I, I hope people don't think, I'm, I, I don't wanna come across as paranoid, but when you sit back and examine the facts and the policies, and we're a policy think tank, if you examine the policies, Lakita, the policy is to create chaos. That's what they're doing. And so, you know, this is where we've got to figure out an effective strategy to push back. China's part of this. They're trying, trying to weaken us because they want to be able to go in and, and if not take over Taiwan, be able to influence it to the point of where it becomes a de facto state under, under the PRC. Russia wants us to fail. Uh, uh, th these, there's all these adversaries. The Iranians are out there. The Iranians are working with the Russians now. Well, so even with that, Tony, forgive me, as you talk yeah. about that. Okay, so one thing is to be overwhelmed and chaotic, right. but you can't talk about it because you can get canceled. You can right. boycotted. You can be shut down. Oh, well, you, you know, I'm off Twitter now, right? You do that, right? I'm suspended permanently, just like the president. Uh, yeah, you know, but Elon maybe will let you back in. We're a hoping. Window, a little window of opportunity. And the other sad thing is when you think about the military, you know, here we're concerned that the movement from the CCP is heading into the South China Sea and the Iran, you know, going towards Taiwan and they're prepared, they're getting prepared. Uh, if you've got your troops that are divided and then you can't have certain troops because they won't take the shot, you have to have uh, men who are women who are now men working in the military and you have to do all these rules and regulations you have to be careful about who can say the prayers or if they can pray or if you have a satanic cult or if you want to have a christian church you've got so many things to trip you up it's like a self-sabotage so that when we do have to pull it together that we won't because they know that the united states would normally be a very strong force am i misreading this or am i no this up you're you're correct. Uh, the military academies and the war colleges have all been taken over from within with this uh, this Marxist philosophy. Let me be very clear on this. Uh, woke, all this woke stuff, all the issues that, that are related to CRT, the critical race theory, is repackaged Marxism. It's simply repackaged for purposes of U.S. consumption. And we have had this inculcate our system to the point of where we used to be, if we were green, we were army, we we're all green. If you're Air Force, you're all blue. Now the conditions, Blanquita, are created so that uh, you are a victim if you're a minority. And if that person's white, they, they, they have subjugated you, whether you know it or not. And if you're white, you're really wrong because, you know, you didn't know it, but you're a racist. This is all Marxism. So we've got to get that out of the system. Completely. Well, let me share something with you. I don't know yeah. if you're familiar with a woman by the name of Stella Morabito. Mm, and, I don't she, think so. and she wrote uh, something I thought it was very interesting. I'm just going to sh share with you 
she sketched six basic phases or processes on the road to communism. She summarized the trends this way. She said, laying the groundwork through the cultivation of ignorance. Number two, propaganda. Three, agitating the masses. And boy, are we agitated. Oh, yeah. Solidating control over society's institutions. Look what's happened to a lot of our law enforcement institutions. They either want to shut them down or they want to change them. Number five, coercing conformity. Pronouns, nouns. You know, what you can say, what you can't say. Can you tell a joke? Have you told a joke recently, Tony? And six is final solutions. I thought that was spot on. It is, and that's what we're faced with. And that's why you see the chaos we do. It's very dangerous times. And don't go away. We're going to come back with our good friend, Tony Shaver, and you right here on The Hard Question. I'm Blanquita Cope. Every 40 seconds in the U.S., a child 18 years and under is abducted. Human trafficking happens in every community regardless of race, gender, culture, or socioeconomic status. I'm Andy Berger, founder and chair of Voices Against Trafficking. My passion to turn the tide on criminal predators is fueled in part by my personal experience as a child sex trafficking victim. For decades, I've been a voice for the voiceless, but I need more voices, your voice, to help bring justice to those who sell human beings for a profit. Voices Against Trafficking is a national and international partnership made up of individuals, businesses, law enforcement, nonprofits, survivors, and more who are dedicated to winning this fight. One of our members, Kathy Haddam, says, One voice has tremendous power, but when voices unite collectively to combat human trafficking and sexual exploitation, an unstoppable movement is born. Add your voice by clicking join at VoicesAgainstTrafficking.com. Together, we can be one voice for the voiceless. This is The Hard Question, and I'm Blanquita Cullum, and happy to be joined by a guy who I have a lot of regard for. We've been friends for a number of years, Lieutenant Colonel Tony Schaefer. He is the president of the London Center for Policy Research. A lot of great guys. I was in New York, and I saw your pal Gordon Chang there, and I was so happy to see him, Tony, because you know how much I respect you guys. You know, you and I have been talking about... uh, what you can do and what you can't do on this road that's that people want to try to whitewash communism to make it look like we've never been able to do it correctly. And the numbers of millions upon millions of people historically that have died under the jackboot of communism is fairly shocking. And I don't know why people seem to forget. Well, it's all in the packaging, I think. Uh, and I'm going to say something on your show here that may may get me in trouble, but uh, some of uh, us are old enough to remember the uh, Reverend Jim Jones. Remember oh, yeah. Jones cool. I, I actually interviewed the journalist that covered it soon after that on, on CBS when I worked for them. Yeah. So so if you if you if you want to understand the modern Democrat Party controlled by progressives, just look at how Jim Jones developed his church and open George Jonestown. Now, let me give you a few examples. I studied this recently because there's a lot of parallels. No, oh, by the way. Uh, Jim Jones was a big supporter of, of, of the, the, the San Francisco Democrats who all went on to be the folks in charge now. Think about that for a second. One of the notable things about Jones is he created this sense of victimhood. It's not your fault that society is against you uh, and therefore you're a victim. You're, everybody's a victim. And uh, I'm gonna, I am going to try to make you better. And that's what the Democrat Party always says. You're a victim. I, I'm going to be the solution for you. 
And then, like the Democrat Party, Jim Jones got them to kind of follow his teachings, very, very much left-wing Marxism. And then when they open Jonestown, it's like, oh, you're going to come to paradise. Oh, but and, and so they get down to Jonestown and Guyana, and the conditions are terrible. And, and, and people have to work long hours, and there's shortage of food. And, and, and the big secret was Jim Jones had plenty of money. He had all the resources he could have done to, to used to enrich these people, but no. It, he made a decision to say, uh, I think these, I'm going to keep these people poor, always tired for purposes of control. Well, that's what we've been talking about. He, that's what we're- But here's the thing, Tony, yeah. when the Democratic Party, you know, my, my dad had been a yellow dog Democrat. He, he was to the day he died. And when I was a little girl, probably in around the second or third grade, I can remember him taking me out of school. I went to Stella Maris Academy in La Jolla, California. And the nuns gave me permission to go with him to go meet John Kennedy. John Kennedy at that time was running for president of the United States. But, you know, I think about ask not what your country can do for you, but what you can do for your country. You know, it was a time when our heroes were people that were like astronauts, Tom Dooley, people that were doing things. And I wonder, because I, you know, you had guys like, uh, uh, Hubert Humphrey, you had guys that Edwin, you had Musk, you had people that maybe you didn't like as much, but they were still aligned with the Constitution. Right. And even the Republicans, they went more, when they were elected, they may have gone on a platform of something, but they always came towards the middle. One of my friends who's a Democrat, uh, David Morey, he says, the problem is we have the missing middle, but the missing middle is bigger than the Grand Canyon. And now people are, they don't even know if they're going to get to be able to vote, even if they do vote. Right. Well, I think, and we, you mentioned this, Bill Maher seems to be coming around. What happened is the Overton window of what's acceptable has moved. Uh, Jack Kennedy would be a conservative Republican today for what he said. He would be essentially a mansion Democrat at best. He would be a, 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 someone who basically would look at his party and say, I can't go along with most of what you're doing. Ronald Reagan said it too. Uh, I didn't leave the Democrat Party. The Democrat Party left me. And I think, uh, let me tell you a little secret, Blinky. I don't know if you know this. Herb London is actually a liberal. Uh, Vicky, his widow, <laughs> told me, no, no, no. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm being a bit light about this, but Herb believed in free speech, freedom of expression, all the things that we're now defending. And he started off as a liberal. Think about it. As a well, that's liberal. what, look at, look Pat, at Mark. Pat Moynihan. He used to go to work. No. Pat Moynihan. Pat Moynihan. I love Pat Moynihan growing up. Uh, and oh, yeah. he had so much common sense. He was he was a Democrat. So we've lost that. We've lost that ability to set aside differences and focus on what's best for the country because the extreme left has taken control of that party. And now they're trying to say, if you disagree with anything we say, you are undermining democracy. And it's a very dangerous thing for them to have that level of control. And so what that means to be able to slap people into shape is to create a label. Yep. I mean, literally slap people into shape. Look what happened to uh, Dave Chappelle oh after the will. I mean, think about, I, I was watching, you know, I was so upset by the thing that I started watching some of the old roasts on television that you used to see. Oh, and Dean Martin. Dean yeah. Martin. Oh my gosh, you know, and you'd have Rickles and you'd have all these guys on there and they'd make fun of each other. Sammy Davis would be on there and a whole, and they and they really 
give each other a hard time. Right. And at a time really that was not, was around that civil rights era. And people think, how could they, how could Sammy Davis and Frank Sinatra say such terrible things? And yet who was the best man at, at, at Sammy Davis's wedding? Insisted he was able to stay in, in the hotels in, in Las Vegas. I mean, at some point there's a hypocrisy because people that really believe in freedom of speech and constitutional rights. Right. Well, look, I'm, I miss those days. I'm, I, you know, Mel Brooks said three of his movies cannot be made today because uh, of the left. And, and Mel Brooks is no uh, conservative. So Red Fox. Red Fox. Red Fox. Yeah. Look, Are you kidding? And I've said before, I don't know if I said in your program or not, my favorite general in the world is a guy named Bob Harding. Uh, Major General Bob Harding. Uh, I love Bob. He's my favorite general. He was black. It just so happened he was black. He's not my favorite general because he's black. He just was a great general. As a matter of fact, I, I used to tell him that uh, he was like six foot four, big old, uh, a huge guy. And uh, I said, Bob, you know, when you walk into a briefing, you ought to have, to have the theme from Shaft going on in the background just as you walk in. I <laughs> and he thought it was great. And the idea is like, we used to have a sense of humor. We could actually encourage each other by the fact that we wanted the best for the other person, no matter what their skin color was. And, well, and think, about it, Tommy. think about it. I mean, if I showed you a picture of my family, you'd see black, white, Asian, Mexicana, like me, my mother was from Mexico, Latina. You'd find every religion, lack of religion, you know, life choice, right. because we're mixed. To be able to say, you know, I remember coming in from uh, when I was a governor on the Broadcasting Board of Governors, I was coming back from Venezuela, and I was going through the Miami airport, and the, the woman who was there looked at my passport, and she said, where'd you get this name? Meaning Blanquita. Yeah. From my mother. And she said, are you Latin? I said, yeah. There's nothing about you that looks Latin. <laughs> and I said, well, tell me, please, what, what, what does that look like? Because... Uh, Maybe I'm not aware of it. Am I supposed to look differently? Wow. And she just got curious and get out of here. But I thought, what? It's hypocrisy. Because yep. we're all mixed. That's the beauty of the country. I know. And this is where, again, to your point, the left using Marxist ideology is trying to create a society that is constantly bickering internally for purposes of government control. The, power, the, power, the party that runs it would oversee this chaos and benefit from it. And I've always said, you know, from my time of being under, uh, from my time of understanding the differences. Blanquita, I, I first voted uh, when I was 18 in, in November of uh, 1980, and I voted for Ronald Reagan. And it was, it was, I was looking at Jimmy Carter and the gloom and doom versus the idea of, of, uh, of something better, something that would, and I was 18. What did I know? But I, I understood that what Carter was standing for was basically everybody's a victim and you just gotta, you just gotta get used to life being miserable. It's like, why would I want that? The people I work with are always bright like you. They always want to see the best. They want to improve. And we want to make, make things better for everyone. It's not like we want, you know, people are victims if they choose to be victims. And the left wants you to believe you're a victim. And that's what they're always trying to do. There's a ch there's a change, you know, I growing up with a Mexican mother, my grandmother lived in, in Mexico, we visit her every weekend. Um, and at that point, Mexico was very proud of having a middle class. That was the beauty of Mexico compared to a lot of the other Latin American countries. And I look at that and they talked about Benito Juarez. Benito Juarez was like the Abraham Lincoln of Mexico. The rights of all are, are to be equal is is freedom. And uh, respeto al derecho ajeno es la paz. That's peace, is everyone's rights. And I think to myself, what happened? Who got manipulated? 
you know, who was, you know, uh, a lot of the, the concern is the influence of the cartels on the president, on the on the government in Mexico, uh, all the way through Salvador and Guatemala and Honduras, all the way to Nicaragua and all that. We, we, we don't know enough about what's going on. I remember, Tony, taking a bunch of information to the members of the Senate, the White House and to the, uh, to the House, telling them about what was going on in Venezuela with the presence of the Russians, the Cubans, the Iranians, and the Chinese, because the Chinese had a bunch of land there right. and there were only two people that cared one was tom coburn and one member of the house and it i couldn't get any risk i couldn't get any response and look what's no. happening and look no a good friend of mine was the attache there and also ran for governor of virginia sergio de la pena who was also oh, a good guy assistant secretary of uh, defense for uh, uh for western hemisphere under president uh, trump and no he, he he reported directly i know everything you just said he reported as the military attache there and it's like nobody wanted to hear it because it didn't fit with the narrative that people in charge wanted to hear and by the way as a side note that's one of my challenges as an intelligence officer uh we will often be the bearers of bad news that will not support a, a political narrative and then by that fact, Blanquita, when people like you come forward and, and say something, it becomes very difficult because they don't want to hear it. They don't want to hear it. And that's why it's difficult for the truth to prevail in many instances. Well, I'm telling you, I'm, I met with a person who shall remain nameless that you will know very much. And I went to his office at the White House and I had this very important bunch of papers. And they said, well, just leave it. We'll look at it. And I did something that was, I, I never was crude at the White House except this one time. And I said, I wouldn't leave it with you. I thought you'd give a, but you don't. And I took the paperwork with me yeah. because uh, I knew that it would be put in the dumpster. I, I There was an ambassador who I knew from Texas and I made him call the president directly with his concerns. We got a lot to talk about. We just have one more segment. I love being with you, Tony Schaefer. Don't go away. This is a hard question. I'm Blanquita Cullen. Not everything that's reported on television is true, but it ought to be. NTD, a New York-based global television network, is independent, reliable, and fact-based. We don't decide where the news happens. What we do is cover it. Check out NTD and you'll know. We believe in the strength of our nation and the hope in our shared humanity. NTD broadcasts uplifting and inspiring programs that enrich your life bring you joy. Turn on NTD, America's television legacy in the making. Find your local channel at ntd.com slash TV or call 680-201-4999 or call 680-201-4999. The hard question, boy, I've got a lot of hard questions. I'm just trying to find in between those hard questions, a few solutions. And my wonderful guest, Lieutenant Colonel, retired Tony Schaefer, the president of the London Center. Now, you, the last line is your is your latest book. Is that the, the newest book that you It is. It was the latest one. I haven't had time to write one for quite a while. I, you know, I produced TV. I did a series called Chain of Command with Nat Geo. Oh, that, that was wonderful. Actually, yeah, no, it actually documented uh, the first year of the Trump administration's Pentagon and how they went out and 
defeated ISIS in a year. You know, Obama kept saying it was going to take 10 years. Like, no, I mean, President Trump told the chairman of the Joint Chiefs, Joe Dunford, go win. Imagine that, you know, getting clear guidance that's achievable. And so we document that. But no, back to the book. The last line was actually something uh, that you would appreciate by the fact that it talks about all the issues we've spoken about regarding the southwest border and they, a political decision by our side to allow it to happen. And that's what I most fear, is that we have people in, our, in the midst of our own government and in control of bureaucracies who are more than willing to allow for the compromise of national security because they see political benefit. Let me give you an example. Uh, we're not negotiating right now with the Russians, uh, even though Biden says we got Putin in the corner because that's the policy. Blinkita, they want the war. Uh, Biden right now does not want in the war because it gives him a political excuse to blame Russia for the energy prices and all the food prices and all these things. So that's my, my concern is that you see politicians who are more than willing to compromise the security of the world and of our own security if they see political benefit. This, this is a departure from the old days when you had Tip O'Neill's and Ronald Reagan's who basically said basically our differences end at the border. Uh, we need to protect the United States. Well, then let's. T the other thing about this, Tony, is the fact that it would have been different then because we had a different way that we respected the White House and the House and the Senate. We don't have that same regard for them or the Supreme Court. We don't. We don't like to honor our our, our elected officials in a way because we we are now there. There. Are, it seems to me that they're in the way of people obtaining the goals that they want to get. For example, now uh, to what this Morabito wrote about, we tear down statues, we deface churches, we put swastikas on, you know, uh, temples. We um, want to say you don't get the right to be able to say if you're a man or a woman, you can't you can't be proud of being a mother. You have to be a birthing person. We yeah. want to eliminate people's ability to identify who they are what they believe, because in this country, we're supposed to be able to say what we think, even if it's something that we disagree with. And, and but you can't now, you have to creep carefully to the graveyard. So consequently, you have a president who is compromised. I think everyone will say that I'm not talking about him, uh, his safety, I'm talking about his mental acuity. Right. Um, and I say that with respect. Uh, we have a Republican side of the aisle that loses it. They don't know who they're really representing. And um, people want to eliminate the real precious documents that we live by, like the Constitution. What can we do in this midst of how we started this discussion? Chaos. It's not the, the right versus the left. It is the right versus the wrong. What can we do? So... Um... There's a great line in uh, a movie uh, with, uh, with Paul Newman, uh, Cool Hand Luke, you oh, need to get I your mind right. You need to get your mind right. So uh, you need to get, we need to get our minds right. It's like, we need to accept the reality for what it is, not what we want it to be. And that means we figure out how to protect our families. Uh, I live in a place where I have, my I have enough food in case something goes wrong, enough water. I got guns all around me. So I'm trained and armed, but I think we need to understand that things could get worse. Just to be practical, things could get worse. With that said then, with once you're prepared and got your mind around your own survival, you need to start picking uh, 
points of action regarding political activism. I'm not talking about going and protesting outside of someone's house. I'm talking about supporting candidates and causes which will do something. So many institutions, Blanquita, on our side are happy to take your money, but they do, they, and they'll put nice papers out, but they don't do anything. And this is why, as you know, I work with a number of the old Reagan folks. A couple of them work with me. We don't pay them a thing because we don't have any money, but they work with us because we're going to do something. They're going to see results based on that. So people need to look at organizations and institutions that are going to do something to preserve their values. And then third, then look for an opportunity to jump in. We're going to have elections coming up. Uh, I, I do believe the House is going to be taken back by the Republicans. I believe the Senate's going to go the same way. And then once you've got that, we're going to need to work with our members of Congress and be aggressive. Don't sit back and let the Republicans do what they normally do. Oh, we got, we're back in now. We're fine. The neocons and other groups are very happy to basically be second place because they get something out of it. We can't accept that anymore because complacency allows the left uh, to continue to build uh, control over bureaucracies and institutions. That's why we're here where we're at. So that in mind, then we have to look at 2024. And I think we have to pick one of one of two candidates. Uh, I don't want to get into who I think they are. They may be, but I think we both know who they will be. And one of those two candidates are going to probably end up maybe three. I know Mike Pompeo wants to run. Just saying, I've heard. Actually, oh no, I, I know that for sure. I've heard that too. And me too. You so, but I, you're going to have three good candidates have, to pick from. Yeah, you so. could have DeSantis. You could have the former president. You could have right. Governor Abbott. You could have a, a number of people that right. would be qualified to run. I was thinking when you were telling me all of this in San Antonio, there was this wonderful lawyer and he had a great, he had a great billboard and the billboard used to say, winning is not everything. It's knowing how to fight. And I think that becomes much more profound as we're trying to observe how to combat the chaos, how to not let ourselves evolve into that eruption of chaos, but how to make a significant difference that can change things to maintain our freedom and our democracy. Your thoughts? Remember, Blanquita, to that point, George Washington during the Revolutionary War only won three of 14 battles, something along that line. And he won the ones that mattered. He fought constantly. And he wasn't supposed to beat the most uh, uh, expansive, effective military force on the planet, but he did. So this is what I'm always inspired by is, is people like George Washington, who looked at this and, it, and like you put to your point, it's not about winning. It's about being able to fight and sustain that fight for purposes of achieving uh, objectives. And that's what we have to do at this point. Be like George Washington. What would George Washington do? <laughs> well, you know, the, the funny thing when you, you think about the United States and like you have I've been around the world in, in some of the places that have been fairly compromised, whether it's Beijing, Russia, Venezuela, a lot of places you've got significant organ trans, you know, harvesting going on, not just in China, but now in Uganda. And people seem to be numb to that. They don't, they don't right. care about it. And in this country, we've been pretty nice people. We've been able to live by a neighbor that we didn't necessarily agree with. We saw that in 9-11 where people came together in neighborhoods. They were looking out for each other. I'd get calls on the radio from, from guys that had been in the military 20 years before, ready to volunteer to try to look out in their neighborhood watches. I mean, I, I still believe that there is that fundamental character of Americans that care about that, that believe in that. And to your point, it's how to resurrect it, to bring that back. I can't believe we're out of time. I want people to go and get your great book, The Last Line. I'm sure you can get it on Amazon. And 
that Lieutenant Colonel Tony Shaver, will you come back and be on the show again very soon? Okay, always. I, I love our conversations. I'd like to believe that uh, your audience learns a lot from it. So thank you for, as always, for having me uh, aboard. This is the hard question. I'm lucky to come. <laughs>